And Rhino, he's not even an issue. I don't sweat Rhino. Are you ready? Yes, it's the Rhino. I just want the paper. I done came down so clean. I'm shining on the haters. Ain't none better than me. Paint wetter than he. 400 And out come Rhino. Rhino. I just want the paper. I done came down so clean. I'm shining on the haters. Ain't none better than me. Paint wetter than he. 400 Welcome back to the Rhino Wrestling Review. I'm your host, Dan Rhino, brought to you by our friends at ProWrestling.com and my special guest this week, Doug E. Wrestling from the STF Underground Podcast and ProWrestling.com. What's up, Am I one of those friends from ProWrestling.com? There you go. How about that? (laughs) That, that, Wow. (laughs) I feel so special. That's actually more fanfare than Raw or SmackDown had in the last week. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, I think this is your third time on the show. I think so. Yeah, it's crazy. So we gotta we gotta punch your punch card because when you get to five, you get a free coffee. Oh, that, yeah. that's pretty good, man. It's I, a small coffee. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep like the number four there going until I get to the five, just like next year or something like that. Yep, yep. That'll probably be about right. I don't know. You might have to be on the show a lot lately since we're like quarantined. I may need to. Uh, Break glass in case of emergency. And hey man, kayfabe, I'm right next to you. Okay. Dougie rest. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, we're quarantined together. Yes. <laughs> and uh, first of all, just how are you guys handling all the uh, uh, madness that's going on around you? You know, um, it's been it's been weird. You know, the the, the News, you know, it's something that everybody's talking about everywhere you go, obviously, with, with the quarantine, everything going on with COVID. Um, thankfully, you know, to the credit of the WWE, whether you like the shows or not, um, they're giving us entertainment and AEW obviously is giving us entertainment. So that's that's pretty cool. And um, I'm getting a chance to catch up on some old school uh, WWE Network kind of stuff. I, I just uh, finished episode four of the Ruthless Aggression series just a little bit ago. You didn't say Ruthless Aggression right. Oh, sorry. The the Ruthless Aggression. Oh, nice. That's pretty good. Hold on. I think I got... <laughs> Against all this beef, there's a lot of beef out here. There you go. Uh, what, not here one. in the World Wrestling Federation and certainly not on Monday Night Raw. What a maneuver! <laughs> I I loved uh, Triple H uh, making fun of Vince on commentary. Oh, that's on... incredible! <laughs> <laughs> like nobody else could get away with that except for Triple H. And then he even talked about how he was quote unquote demoted. Like what's been going? Everybody's been talking about. So he gives if only I can get more work after being demoted. Yeah, or something like he that. gives <laughs> zero f's about anything because he's he's bulletproof at this point. Yep. But. Uh, yeah, man, it's uh, wrestling is some is one of the few things that you know as far as new entertainment that we have available to us. I saw that ESPN two became uh, went back to becoming the Ocho the other day. Did you see that? <laughs> with they, uh, with dodgeball on there, they were showing like uh, 
people playing bags. They were showing um, just like all, like all kinds of, and they they advertised it as you know ESPN two becomes the Ocho, and they were you know like in reference to the dodgeball movie, and they were showing like all these you know peculiar sports because we are so we are craving you know any kind of content any kind of new content now and wrestling is one of the few avenues that's actually providing that and i guess ufc did it a, a few weeks ago but i don't even know how long that's going to last they got a lot of backlash about you know having the fighters be in that co- close of quarters and you know bodily fluids flying on one another with all the sicknesses going around so that's a little bit more controlled in pro wrestling but it's uh, we're we're living in a weird time, man, and it's you know we're going to talk a little bit about that and some of the uh, questions we're going to tackle today. Well, you know it's a time that WWE is lessening a lot of that because they're doing a lot more video packages. You know, for those that saw NXT, it was two straight hours of video packages. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole I think first hour was just you know Gargano and Champa's story, which was captivating. I mm-hmm. loved it. May have lasted a little bit long, but still was really good. That was uh, that's and that's one of the questions that we got about AEW and WWE how they're approaching the fact that they're doing these empty arena shows because I mean the AEW show last week was phenomenal what they were able to do with no fans there it it just it still felt like it was a big deal it felt like a moment in in time that we're like we're never gonna forget Cody standing in that empty ring with that spotlight on him in that empty arena at the very beginning of the show and then to have the rest of the elite members come out to they had the pyro and and but there was no fans there so there was no you know no kind of reaction from the crowd it was surreal but it ended up being a pretty awesome show I heard it, the crowd there were, there was less than 9 people in the crowd Yeah, there was, the crowd. there was there was one big douchebag in the front row wearing a scarf I heard the the fans singing Judas. It was it was amazing. Yeah, there was one guy on there. I forgot what his name is. I think your fr- I think he's your buddy. Uh, <laughs> did a pretty good rendition of of Judas. He kind of it got a little. He kind of lost some of the words there in the middle, but he picked it up. He started strong. <laughs> he ended strong, and I give it. Uh, I give it a. I give it a B plus. There was um there was a video going out there right now of all elite idol and it's splicing Sammy Guevara with Randy and um and Paula and Simon and and they're all just you know covering their faces (laughs) (laughs) as Sammy's singing it's amazing yeah I could see Randy Jackson go little pitchy dog little pitchy it's a no for me it's a no for me dog (laughs) so we are going to do a mailbag episode today. It's been a while since we've been able to clear out the mailbags. We've got a potpourri of topics for you today, Doug. So I'm going to hit you with a little bit of everything. And uh, you ready to get started? Let's do it. All right. First one comes from Paul in St. Louis. And Paul writes, what is WWE's reasoning behind moving WrestleMania to two nights? Were they influenced by what New Japan did with Wrestle Kingdom, the necessity of the coronavirus restrictions, or something else? So... When you heard that WrestleMania was moving to two nights, what was your first thought for the reasoning behind that? 
Well, so here's the thing. WWE has been playing with this thought since Wrestle Kingdom, right? They have famously been making people tired over the last 10 hours for the last several years of WrestleMania. I think that they saw this as their opportunity to be able to try it out, right? And, and I think that because of the whole PC thing with no fans there, I mean, they can't really do that for eight hours of the day. But if they can split that up to two nights, they can say it's because of the coronavirus. And if it goes well, if they get really good success out of it, then they can continue it. But if it doesn't, hey, man, it was just because of the coronavirus and no harm done. I thought the same exact thing. I thought that they've – because this idea of going – of doing two nights was thrown out even before Wrestle Kingdom did it just because of how long the last couple WrestleManias have been. And I was at that last one, and it – by the, by the time the end of the night gets there, you should be crescendoing when the main event gets there. The crowd should be at its you know hot hottest and primed for that main event, but they're just worn out for that main event. And a lot of times that leads to more of a lackluster reaction than you really want out of what should be your biggest match of the whole weekend. So I... I don't know if WWE has ever toyed around toyed around with it. I'm sure it's it's come up in discussion, but you would think it had fans, to have been a discussion yeah. ever since uh, Brock versus Roman and how they can change things from being having those boos and having people leave at that main event. Yeah, and us as wrestling fans, we've talked about it for a couple years now. Wrestle Kingdom tried it out, and then I guess WWE kind of saw this as you know what, you know, this is the perfect opportunity for us. To just give it a shot. And like you said, if it works, fantastic. If it doesn't work, we didn't really lose anything. And, you know, they can say that, oh, we we're doing it because we only want a certain amount of people in the building at a time because of the coronavirus. But it gives them two nights of content versus one. So it, you know, kind of makes the fans feel like they're they're maybe getting a little bit more like i've got something to do on saturday night now while i'm trapped inside and i've got something to do on sunday night while i'm inside it you know puts more spotlight that way you can have like a main event of night one and a main event of night two you can have an opening match to start off hot on night one and an opening match to start off hot on night two it's kind of the you know, I don't want to say it's the perfect situation given the circumstances that brought it about, but it's the perfect time to give it a shot, at least. Why are you giving me giving the thumbs down? Or are you doing the RVD right now? <laughs> the the thumbs down, <laughs> way down. So I have a lot of problems with this, Dan, and I mentioned this on you know my podcast STF Underground. You can follow us by the way on Twitter at STF Underground. Cheap pop. Or cheap plug, I should say. You get as many of those as you want. <laughs> so here is my problem, and this might not be the case moving forward, but the, the problem is with this going two nights is that this also gives WWE the chance to give us a show that they want and a show that we want. And WWE has been notorious for this and, and giving us what they want all throughout the years. And then they'll give us, you know, one night of, what we want and it keeps us coming back you know the royal rumble was an example of that that with seeing drew win and all those really great things but if you take a look at the separation of the cards one of the things that i was really afraid of when i first heard that this was moving to two nights was that 
you know, oh my gosh, we're going to see Roman versus Goldberg main event Sunday night and see that as the last final shot as no, what we're going God, to see. Please, no, 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 no! <laughs> and indeed, that is the the title right now. The Universal title is on Sunday night, and the WWE Championship, Brock versus Drew, is on Saturday night. So seeing that as the main event on Sunday, you know, I kind of mentioned this again on STF Underground, but... You know, when you, when you look at any award show, you look at, like, an American Idol, you look at, you know, any presentations, what do you remember, night one or night two? Night two is always the one that you walk away, you know, having that lasting shot. And I think now, with the way that it's separated, that lasting end shot is going to be Roman Reigns holding up the Universal Championship. Well, maybe that first night, though, maybe that'll end in such a positive way that that'll kind of... Maybe they kind of felt like they needed that to give them the momentum into the second night to kind of get people pumped up. Like, we ended on a high note. Maybe, you know, we walk out with Drew getting the big win over Brock Lesnar, and that kind of gives us, you know, lets us leave on a, a positive note so we can go into second night into the second night before we're eventually let down by Goldberg against Roman Reigns. You watched Wrestle Kingdom, right? Kind of bringing it back to the Wrestle Kingdom question. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the main event for night one? I don't. It, it was Okada and Ibushi, which was a great match. Mm -hmm. And do you remember the main event for night two? And that would be uh, Okada and Naito. Which one was the star making, the, the one that is the one people remember? It's the unification yeah, for Intercontinental and the world title, the yep. second night, the two biggest stars that's the one that people remember regardless yeah. of the the momentum from the first night which wrestle kingdom night one was arguably you know some people say it was better than night two but mm -hmm. you know the the fact is people remember night two and that's what i'm really afraid of here yeah that that makes a lot of sense the first night like you said an amazing match to close the night but the the second night is an all-time New Japan moment, one that's going to be played on highlight reels for, you know, the rest of their existence because of how, you know, monumental the buildup was. So we'll see, man. It's it's going to be very interesting. I think it is. Uh, it's worth a shot, though. And if it's successful, it could be something that we see in the future because, you know, WWE, if they can get away with having a two-night WrestleMania. And if they can get away with packing a stadium twice and doubling their their money that way, taking more would, money from the crowd that way, <laughs> yeah, they would they would be all for it they, because you know more money means you know the stock prices go up and especially now with the way you know everybody's stocks are tanking, they may need you know all the help they can get as far as that goes. And let me, let me ask you this question in, in that sense now that they are moving to two nights. Clearly, that moves them to a five-night WrestleMania weekend, Hall of Fame takeover, uh, and the two WrestleMania nights, right? Actually, sorry, four-night versus uh, three-night WrestleMania weekend. Um, and on top of that, you have people paying for two nights of WrestleMania. Do you think that WWE, with that in mind, will move back to an arena versus a stadium now that they're having it in two nights? Do you think that that will have any impact on the crowd attendance so i like the stadium aspect because more people that want to go have the ability to go just because more seats are available but seeing it in a stadium versus seeing a show in 
a big arena. It was totally different because the the, the sound uh, just travels just so much different outdoors. You hear people, wrestlers talk about how the sound kind of goes up and then disappears. And that's true because it was hard to to kind of gauge how hot the crowd was being in a stadium of 70,000 people when it should have been super loud. But when you're outdoors like that, like they said, the sound just kind of goes up and, and disappears. And it's kind of hard for us as fans that are in attendance, and it's really hard for the wrestlers to kind of put their finger on whether the crowd is reacting positively or negatively. In a stadium, you know, there's less seats, but you know that it's going to be a hot ticket. You could probably charge more, uh, and you wouldn't make as much as you would in a in a stadium. But if you if you have it in an arena, I should say, you could charge more per seat and kind of recoup some of that loss that way. And then if you did it in an arena like Mad, if you did Madison Square Garden two nights in a row which is one of on the uh, bigger side of arenas. I think it's like 21,000 or something like that. You know, you could still make a ton of money that way, and I think it would probably be a better experience for the fans. You wouldn't have to worry about weather. You wouldn't have to worry about those big, huge pillars blocking people's views. You wouldn't have to worry about people being so far away that they have to watch the action on a Jumbotron. You would force people to buy the WWE Network, uh, otherwise they'd have to pay for two nights of pay-per-view. Yeah, it's... There's a lot of positives about being in an arena, or being in a... uh, Right, in an indoor arena, as opposed to a stadium, but I think WWE sees a stadium as like, well, goddamn, pal, we're big. We're, We're as big as the NFL. We're in a stadium. And I think if... I feel like if they went back to arenas... They might feel like they were you know, downsizing. Taking, yeah, downsizing. That's a good word for it. Now, let me ask you this regarding the – you mentioned the sound and everything. When you went to WrestleMania in the stadium, do you feel – you know, as far as the feel and the sound, what felt and sounded bigger to you, you know, being at WrestleMania in the stadium or AEW Revolution with, I think, 6,000 people there? Oh, it was AEW, like, hands down. Which is which is crazy because the crowd was a tenth as big, but part of it was just how excited the crowd was for the product at AEW, and not to say that people weren't excited at WrestleMania, but when it's a six or seven hour show and you're outside and once the sun goes down it was cold, it it was just a different it was a, just a different atmosphere. And I, I think that you can, if you want something that's more memorable and, a, and more of a feeling, I think that the indoor arena, even with a smaller crowd, is just, it's just a better experience, in my opinion. I had, I, I, I was just, I had such an amazing time. It was the best live show I'd ever seen when, when we went to Revolution last month. And, you know, it's kind of hard to believe that that's going to be, for the foreseeable future, one of the last big pro wrestling live get-togethers that's going to be out there what a get-together it was yeah it was uh let's go to the next question steve in baltimore writes whose wrestlemania moment is lessened most by having wrestlemania in front of no crowd instead of seventy thousand fans so wrestlemania coming up two-nighter in at the performance center only essential personnel there and for somebody 
who do you think is going to have, this could have been like a big WrestleMania moment or a big WrestleMania match, or maybe they were going to have this big elaborate WrestleMania entrance that they're not going to be able to do now because of that. The first person for me that comes to mind is Rhea Ripley, because I felt like this was her first, this was her big main stage moment. And I kind of felt like they were going to put her over Charlotte. I kind of felt like they were going to do it in front of 70,000 fans. They were going to give her, you know, a real cool, like, punk-influenced entrance. Uh, not CM Punk, but, like, punk rock-type <laughs> entrance. Maybe CM Punk was going to come. Maybe she was going to okay ride out, like, a tandem bike with CM Punk or something like that. Or CM Punk would be in her sidecar or something like that. <laughs> but I kind of felt like this was going to be, like, the big coming-out party for her. And now it's just it's just not going to feel the same with no fans there and without all the fanfare. Who do, what comes to mind or who comes to mind for you? Rhea is a good choice because it's kind of the the elevation for her, right, in, in making her feel important. But I feel like that sentiment is no there, there's nobody better to to be missing that sentiment than Drew McIntyre. Drew, ben, Drew, ben, Drew McIntyre has been built since the Royal Rumble and it is really, I would say the best way to, to call him is he's been the chosen one since then. They've been really building him. He's the one that eliminated Brock. He dominated Brock with three Claymores. He's been really getting over with the crowd, video packages, whatever it's been. And you know, having the no fan shows over the last couple of weeks and no fans at WrestleMania is really going to hurt him, I think, the most as far as that goes. And, you know, what I mentioned before, not just the sickening thing of Roman and Goldberg showing up at that, that main event and having to be the last thing that you see on Sunday night, but having... Drew McIntyre holding up the title potentially uh, on Saturday night. You, you have to think about it. He's doing that at, at pretty much halftime of WrestleMania instead of on the main event. I think that that's probably going to hurt him the most. It's going to have the least reaction, obviously, that that should have been there. I feel mostly bad for him who deserves that moment probably more than anybody else on the roster. I think there's one person that deserves it more. Mojo I knew it. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> He what's should be. Mo- what's Mojo doing at Romania? That's what I want to know. From anything in the future for having Gronk come out and dance like a freaking idiot on SmackDown. I thought you were going to go into like a Stephen A. Smith there. Oh. Like, Mojo Rawley shouldn't be anywhere near WrestleMania. <laughs> Mojo Rawley <laughs> should be locked in a broom closet of the Performance Center and not let out until WrestleMania is over. It's a shame. That Mojo Raleigh is getting more TV time than EC3. Poor EC3. <laughs> Poor I, don't know how EC3. Much, I don't know how much time he has left on his contract. He would be tailor-made for AEW. 100%. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to go off on a tangent here if I start talking about all the guys. Uh, <laughs> we actually got an email uh, about... One of those uh, guys here. I'm actually going to skip down to that so we can do a little transition here. Uh, Jamie in Topeka says, It looks like the WWE is going to have the Revival stay home unpaid until their contracts run out. Are they someone AEW should target? So the news that we're hearing is that I think the Revival's contracts are up in April 
or I think one of uh, maybe uh, Dash Wild. It was April's one April. in May. Yeah, and they've already hit their downside guarantee, so they don't. Ha- WWE doesn't have to pay them anymore, which is outrageous. But it's in their contract that once you hit that downside guarantee, you can go past that, but you don't have to. You're not entitled to going past that amount at all. And if they just don't use them, then they just don't have to pay them. And I guess this is, I guess the revival has made it clear that they don't intend to resign, that they intend to test the free agent market. But it seems like WWE is uh, being a little, uh, let's see what we got here. Fickle! Being a little fickle about it. And That's a nice word to say. Fickle! <laughs> And not letting the uh, revival work on their way out, not even burying them, just kind of making them become an afterthought, and making you know the fans just forget about them. They're not even putting them on TV to bury them. They're not even putting them on TV or using them at house shows at all. So, what are your thoughts on how the revival looks like they're going to be ending their WWE run? And as uh, the question asked do you think they are somebody that aew should target i would say a few years ago i would have been worried for a situation like this but i have two big names that make me not worried at all and those names are neville now known as peck and luke harper now known as the exalted one Brody lee those are two guys that have proven that mojo raleigh (laughs) three (laughs) names those are two guys that have proven you can stay off TV, not cool down and show up on a different show, and still be a bigger deal than you ever were in the WWE. So th- those are big things that people don't have to worry about with the Revival. We have seen the Revival be at the top of their game on NXT and be really the best tag team in the world, which is why they got so much notoriety from the Young Bucks all those years ago in the Bullet Club. That said... That whole notoriety, the FTR, the, the, the feud is built in. They even said, hopefully we'll be wrestling you one day. Should should AEW target them? Absolutely. freaking lootly So what's, they, they obviously want to keep the FTR thing, so they can't be the revival. What are they going to be in AEW? The renewal. Ah, there you go. <laughs> you, you still keep the hashtag FTR. And it's like a, a rebirth of them in a, you know, renewing their their vigor for the pro wrestling business in a company that actually uh, acknowledges the existence of pro wrestling. So there you go. Maybe and maybe I maybe mean, Arn Anderson's even their manager. Who knows? And he carries around that uh, the Waffle House menu. <laughs> the Waffle, yeah, the Waffle House menu. <laughs> All right, uh, next question. Made in the USA writes, rank AEW's newest additions based on your excitement level. So we just talked about Brody Lee, Lance Archer, and Matt Hardy. Of those three, rank them from the ones you are most excited about to the one that kind of doesn't get your uh, blood pumping quite as much. Now, you might be excited about all of them, but let's start with the one that you think is going to do the most good in AEW. Well, you hit it on the head. I'm I'm excited about all three of these. Um, I, I don't think that 
any of these three are going to fail, and especially with their, again, just their faces, especially with Hardy and Brody Lee, um, the, the, they already have that uh, at-home notoriety. Uh, out of all three, though, I think that Matt Hardy, to me, is the one that I'm most excited about. I, I'm a big fan of the Broken Matt Hardy. The news is out there that it's going to be a whole different version of Broken Matt Hardy as well. The creativity that he's been willing to come out. He had that interview with Chris Jericho about how he just has been stifled creatively for the last several years. So Hardy is one of the most creative people that is out there. I think he's just not only going to add to the in-ring product, but also add to backstage creativity in so many different ways and be able to help with, you know, the, the growth of all these other people too. Um, as far as, you know, guys like Darby Allen, can you imagine a Matt Hardy going against or teaming with the Darby Allen? I think that'd be amazing. Um, second for me would be Lance Archer. Lance Archer, I've been able to see in the ring many times now, um, not just in New Japan, but also live in person uh, at Warrior Wrestling in Chicago Heights. That said, Lance Archer is a fantastic specimen. They put him in the exact right place with Cody, right next to Jake the Snake. I, I love the storyline that he's been built and that vignette the in the backwoods of just kind of annihilating everybody in Hicktown, you know, in in the back of that uh, backyard ring or whatever it was, I thought was just incredibly done. So that would put uh, Brody Lee as your number three. Do you think he's, you think he's somebody that can kind of? Because for me, the Dark Order has been kind of just kind of running in place for a little while. Do you think Brody Lee is the, is the addition that can kind of get them where they need to go? I think so. I mean, it's going to be. I have I have my hesitations about it just because the Dark Order themselves haven't been great. So I'm interested now to see where they go. I like Brody Lee. We haven't really seen him too much on the mic at all in the WWE. We know he can wrestle. We know he's great in the ring. But my thing is, is he wasted there? Because Brody Lee is great in the ring, but a guy like the Exalted One is like a Bray Wyatt in, in, in the beginning. You don't let the exalted one get in the ring the exalted one has the dark order the minions do their bidding mm -hmm. i think brody lee's best place is in the ring so i, I I'm, I'm curious to see where that goes um and i think that eventually the payoff is going to be brody lee just annihilating christopher daniels i am 100 uh, in lockstep with you on my picks i think matt hardy right now He's ready for like a last big run in his career before he transitions into creative or he transitions into being an agent. I think that AEW is perfect for him because he did so much awesome stuff in Impact with the broken uh, Matt Hart with the broken Hardy character and the brother Nero and the stuff at the Hardy compound. And we got to see a little glimpse of that in WWE, but you can tell that they just had the shackles on him so much. Where Impact was like, yeah, whatever, just do whatever you want, because they were just starving for creativity and starving for content. WWE has a formula for how they do things, and if you don't fit inside that formula, you don't get a big chance to express your creativity. AEW, I think, is perfect for Matt because it's going to, it's not going to stifle his creativity. I think it's going to feed his creativity. It's going to encourage him uh, to to be. 
entertaining and to be funny and to be uh, and to do you know have cool matches in the ring and have cool vignettes and do you know pre-tapes that are that are going to enhance his character and enhance feuds that he's in and they don't mind being weird and testing things out you saw mm-hmm. that with the nightmare collective if it fails it fails yep. who cares yep and and, the, and i like that too that if it's not working we don't keep forcing it you know if it's not working okay let's just pump the brakes a little bit and we can go back to it if we if we want to but we are not it's not like one person's idea you know a 70 year old man's idea that hey this is going to work this is going to work we're going to keep doing it we're going to keep doing it. it's my idea so i know it's going to work and then if it doesn't work you've just wasted a lot of tv time you might have ruined a character you might have ruined somebody's push that they can't get back i think this is going to be perfect for aew uh matt hardy can have one big run he's he's in the best shape that he's been in in probably the last 10 years he's in insane shape i think that he'll be able to have a really nice run with aew and then he's got a job for life with that company i think because think about all the people that aew has brought in that wwe didn't have any other use for wwe didn't they couldn't find anything to to have arn anderson help with you know he was he was one of their their better agents and then they just felt like Oh no, we don't we don't need a, a Hall of Famer and a legend who knows this business inside and out. Uh, they let Dean Malenko go and AEW snatched him up. Uh, you know Justin Roberts, they let him go and AEW snatched him up. AEW recognizes what they need and they recognize who can help them with that. And I think Matt Hardy is a guy who is going to going to do great things in that company and great things for that company. So he's he's my number one as well. You know, to that point, I want to ask you, because there's a lot of sentiment out there and how that Brody Lee and Matt Hardy are in AEW, that a lot of people are saying, oh, well, AEW needs to stop picking up a lot of these old WWE guys. Mm-hmm. You know, what What are your thoughts on that? Do you feel or do you kind of uh, echo that sentiment? Are you okay with, you know, a lot of the WWE guys showing up on AEW television? I've, it's a mixed thing for me because, for example, when we were watching Revolution – I was uh, my wife was sitting next to me and I said, "Oh, you probably remember him from from WWE. Oh, you probably remember him for WWE." And then the main event, we've got Chris Jericho against John Moxley and then we've got Dustin Rhodes out there and we've got Cody Rhodes out there and then I kind of think that, "Man, there's a lot of former WWE guys on here." But I don't think that being a WWE guy makes it feel like like a a mark that you can't like a scarlet letter that you can't you know do great things in in other places and i think chris jericho is the the perfect example of that the fact that he went outside of wwe and reinvented himself and then reinvented himself again and then came to aew and reinvented himself as as the uh, head of a faction I think if it's the right person, like I don't think a Roman Reigns would would work in AEW at all, just because Roman Reigns, he was a, a WWE guy from from the beginning. He wasn't an indie guy. He wasn't a Ring of Honor guy. He wasn't somebody who kind of sowed his oats for for ten years. Not saying that you have to do that, but somebody like The Miz wouldn't work in AEW. Uh, but there are certain guys that 
had this following even before they went to to WWE. They had a nice run in WWE, but now they're kind of going back to their roots. Like Dean Ambrose is not Dean Ambrose anymore. You know, he is I I could I had a hard time watching Dean Ambrose and I felt I felt that he was very uninteresting in WWE. Oh, uh, he was horrible. But John Moxley he's different. I'm like, "Oh, he can do a promo because it's not written for him. It's not scripted for him. And he's not bringing a hot dog cart out and shooting people with ketchup and mustard. And he's not, you know, doing John Moxley is not a guy who would have a talk segment in the ring with, you know, Mitch the Plant and, you know, all these, you know, a whole setup and everything like that. That's not what that character should be. The character should be what it is in, in AEW right now. So I think if you can kind of get these people that have something else to give, like Ambrose obviously had something else to give to the wrestling business other than the Dean Ambrose character, and we're seeing it now. I think that we'll find out with Brody Lee what he has, you know, outside of of WWE, because I'm not very familiar with what he did on the indies before he went to WWE. I only know him mainly as Luke Harper. I've seen what Matt Hardy can do outside of WWE, and I love it. So it's it's a mixed bag for me. And who would have thought that in 2020, Dustin Rhodes would be as over as he is and as good as in the ring as he is when WWE had kind of just had him on the back burner. And now when I see Dustin come out, I'm thinking this is going to be a good match. And I'm thinking Dustin's going to – I'm not – it's not channel changing for me. I know that, that he can go and that he can do something other than the Gold Dust character and be very compelling. Yeah, I got to agree. And I, I would say, you know, to your point, most of the guys that are in AEW uh, from WWE are, are guys that WWE just didn't use to their full potential. They weren't the guy. Even uh, Chris Jericho, who I love, has never really been the guy, you know, in, in WWE. He was always one of the top players, but never really, they, they never really went with him in the way that they did with a. John Cena, a rock, and Austin for how great that he is. And, you know, Chris Jericho obviously has that ability. Dean Ambrose, he, he floundered, even though he was a uh, WWE champion, he floundered. And all the other guys, obviously, Cody is one of the best examples oh, yeah. of that. Just never used to the full potential. So the other, the other thing, too, that people have to realize is that WWE has been doing the exact same thing for years. You know, you talk about... Guys like Stone Cold Steve Austin came from WCW, ECW. Guys like The Undertaker, what, me and Mark Calloway? Mm -hmm. talk, talk about Mankind, formerly Cactus Jack. All these guys that were somewhere else, someone else, WWE was do, has been doing this for years. So don't get mad that uh, companies do that. People get traded in the NFL all the time. Don't think of them as one team kind of thing because they are, you know, they're, they're free agents. They're, they're, you know, people that are out there to make their name in a company, and that's exactly what they're doing now in AEW. Before we go to the next question, let me ask you a little bit about Lance Archer, because I've only seen him wrestle a couple times, and that, those were on New Japan shows. I've never seen him live. So I, the, the view that I have of Lance Archer right now, based on what I saw in the, the New Japan shows, that is that of like just like a hardcore guy. But there's, 
that was like kind of the same thought I had about Darby Allen when he came in, and now Darby Allen's kind of blown me away to where I could see him being an AEW champ someday. What can we expect from Lance Archer? And we know we've, he's got Jake the Snake as his mouthpiece, which I think is amazing because Jake's one of the best promo guys in, in wrestling history. And as long as he can stay clean and stay focused, I think this is great for, for Jake as well. But what do you expect from Lance Archer uh, as far as, like, potential feuds? What do we expect as far as, like, in-ring work? Are they going to try to, like, build him up as, like, a monster with some squash matches? What do you th- What do you see as for the foreseeable future with him? Well, I'm not sure if AEW, at least not yet, I don't know if they're going to be going the way of the squash match, the way that WWE does that. And really, only one guy in WWE has, in my mind, really been successful, uh, as successful come with, with squash matches, and that's Brock Lesnar. But speaking Bojo of... Raleigh. Oh my goodness. Speaking Bojo of... <laughs> speaking of Brock Lesnar... There are a lot of aspects of Lance Archer that remind me of Brock. The in, the intimidation, the way that he feels in the ring, the way that he can manhandle somebody, but he can move really, really well. I, I really like that about him. And now you almost have to think about it like he's that monster with the mouse, mouthpiece. Who does that remind you of? Brock Lesnar. Yep. So if, if they build him that way... I think that that is a a really great way to be able to do that just with a guy who's there every single week. And if you put him in there with guys, if you think about it six months, a year from now, if he dominates a guy like a Matt Hardy, who obviously is a legend and people know him, how much would that make the name for Lance Archer? It kind of reminds me of, you talked about Brock. If you remember, I think it was that SummerSlam when... Brock just dominated John Cena and took the belt from him. John Cena got hardly any offense in. And it was like this holy shit moment because Brock had beaten The Undertaker and everybody was like, oh my God. And then he goes on this run to where he's at now where he rarely loses. He's like the unbeatable champ that everybody it everybody basically has to focus their attention for a year on it and build up to it and train for it just to get a win over him at, say, like a WrestleMania like Seth Rollins did last year. And, like, I'm hoping Drew McIntyre does this year. But that kind of reminds me of what could be, like, Brock's John Cena moment, where John Cena, one of the one of the greatest superstars of in WWE history, got very little offense in, and Brock just showed how dominant he could be. Lance Archer could have a similar moment in AEW. Yeah, I mean, look at the person that he's facing first. He's thrust into superstardom, going right against Cody. That that segment right away with Jake the Snake. I mean, what better place to put somebody to tell the crowd this guy is potentially a monster star? Yep. Uh, next question comes from Cartons of Fun, and they write, This week's Dynamite may have been my favorite show yet. What is AEW doing right with the empty arena concept that WWE is doing wrong? Uh, Let's talk first about WWE. There were some things about the empty arena shows that I've liked, particularly uh, Triple H on commentary. Uh, The in-ring promo a couple weeks ago with John Cena and Bray Wyatt I thought was, was very well done. I thought the Edge promo in the ring where he was just looking right into the camera because there's no crowd there, so there's no, the only people we're talking to are the people that the millions of people that are watching at home, 
Edge cutting that promo into the camera, and you know that that promo wasn't scripted for Edge either. You know, Edge is an old school guy and probably just had, you know, bullet points of what he wanted to do and presented it in his own way. I think some of the in-ring promo stuff has been good. Some of the stuff that I have not liked is replaying, like, entire Royal Rumbles, replaying entire Elimination Chamber matches. If we're watching Raw, we've seen that stuff. You know, most most of us that are at least... You know, half of the people that are watching Raw uh, probably have the WWE Network or have seen those those matches on the WWE Network or at least are familiar with the, the, the high points or seen highlights of those matches. That kind of reminds me of like something Impact does where they reshow like old stuff on their on their show every week just to kind of kill time. Why not give that that time to. You know, wouldn't you rather see, like, Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak go out there and wrestle for, like, a half hour or something like that? Uh, it just, it it irks me a little bit. What, what they're, So let's talk about what WWE is doing wrong that you think they could do better. So WWE is in a very sticky situation, right? Because you can only have a certain amount of people there. Uh, you don't want to have multi-man matches tag team matches with people touching and exposing potentially other people right so you have that uh, they they got a little bit of flack even for doing the six-pack women's challenge uh for for bailey's uh smackdown women's championship so they're kind of damned if they do they're damned if they don't but i do agree with you 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 uh, had the great words there about killing time and that's especially for raw what it felt like it feels like wwe is just trying to get through the shows versus trying to put on a good show so that that's where my biggest problem is if you noticed everything that you mentioned that you liked was a promo segment there was no matches that you liked. there was no other things that you really liked other than that raw actually only had one match and that was andrade versus Rey mysterio which we've seen a thousand times before and oscar was screaming the the entire time throughout that match so the match (laughs) was pretty much non-existent right the 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 biggest thing that i can say um that that wwe is doing wrong is it just feels like Man, so awkward when those matches are coming, and, and I think that that is big, mostly spotlighted in that first segment with Bailey and Sasha. And granted, I give a lot of a lot of credit where credit is due for those two women being the first two in the empty arena out there with not knowing what to do, no example before them in a situation that nobody has ever been in, right? Other than really the the Rock and Foley. Um, but you, you had these two women playing to the crowd, looking at the crowd while they were talking. Nikki Cross during that match was clapping her hands, trying to get the crowd going. And, <laughs> you know, Triple H is calling her out because she say, he's saying she got hit so hard she's trying to get the crowd riled up, <laughs> which is just, uh, man, Triple H is a natural, national treasure for, for being and, and saving that show. But yep. there's just a lot of things that they're doing. And, you know, I think the the biggest thing, um, because I, I think that you and I can be a little bit skewed with these kind of things, especially for how tired of Raw and SmackDown we've grown over the last few years and how refreshing AEW has been, that I hate being the person that says everything AEW does is right and everything WWE does is wrong, right? So I like to give 
the try to find that moment of somebody who really is not a loyal watcher of either show and that comes a lot of times from my wife and you know she'll sit and watch with me raw and dynamite or whatever it is and while we were watching dynamite her words were this feels just so much different from what we watched on monday even the camera angles the lights and, and the fake crowd or whatever it was just feels so much better you don't even notice that there's no crowd and then i think that that's what highlighted it all for me is the biggest difference i love the, the the little touches that they had like having the baby faces in the crowd on one side and kind of that little side story of mjf and sean spears betting on all the matches gives them was, a reason to be out there right it was kind of a like a story within the story and then you had uh, you had the baby faces on one side and the heels on the other side. I thought that when they had the uh, what was it Joey Janela and somebody else got the the Tarzan boy song going for for Jungle that oh 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 <laughs> that that was that was cool to me. I liked I liked shit like that. You know I I liked that the. They were excited about watching, you know, their their peers wrestle, and that that kind of gave them, you know, if if there's no fans out there, why is why why are we not out there? Why would we not be out there watching the matches? Most of them are watching the matches on monitors in the back anyway. Might as well go to to ringside and watch our our peers or our friends or our enemies, and we could say like we're scouting, you know, we could say that's why you know Jake is out there with Lance Archer. Other than Jake laughing at Jungle Boy when he went to do a suicide dive and nobody was there to get him, so he just <laughs> jumped out of the ring uh, and they caught it on camera. But I, I just thought that, that that added something to it. It just it it made it it wasn't just dead silence. There was there was uh, chit chat. There was you know MJF uh, going back when he saw Cody. He referenced. His feud that they just uh, that they just ended. They Booing didn't act, him. Yeah, they didn't act like like that didn't happen. Like the last six months of them feuding with each other didn't happen. He acknowledged that 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 was a thing and that you know he had gotten the better of him and now uh, you know he's betting on his match at ringside. I thought you know the the pyro was cool. I thought you know having Brandy as the as the announcer was was something a little different too. I know it's something that she's done in the past and said that she would never do again, but I thought she did an awesome job. I just thought that it, it felt more special. It felt a lot more special and it didn't feel like it was a chore to watch. Like some of the raw and SmackDown empty arena shows have been the, the presentation of it just felt totally different and it's kind of hard to put my finger on it. I think you kind of expressed it a little bit better than, than I did, but I'm, I'm hoping that AEW is able to continue that. I don't know. The thing that worries me, and I think I kind of talked to you about it off air, is that they said they were announcing all these matches, and they say these are going to happen at the next Dynamite that we have. And Kenny Omega kind of said that we don't know what, how long we're going to be able to give this to you, or how much, you know, how when the next time we'll be able to get together is. That's the only thing that kind of sucks about this is that they did an awesome job with no fans there. And I know they could continue to do that, but I don't know if they're going to be allowed to because of the coronavirus restrictions that are going to be placed on them. 
Well, Blood and Guts uh, was already announced that it is postponed, so that's a little bit of a shame, but very smart that they're going to do that. I, I think that what you just mentioned, and, and the biggest the biggest difference, is that AEW does not have to pretend that this is not going on in the world around us. While, you know, WWE, that's what they're really good at, is pretending that what happens in the WWE universe stays in the WWE universe. I think that that was... No more evident than seeing the promo that Cody cut versus the segment that Stone Cold Steve Austin was in. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Cody came out, and and you mentioned it, that memorable moment uh, in the ring alone saying, you know, we have to stand together by standing apart. And on WWE, we saw in one of the, to me, one of the worst segments in the history of Raw and one that hurt my soul was Steve Austin reading off cue cards, telling jokes, and seeing Byron Saxton holding up ratings cards at what Austin was saying. It's just really weird and just pretend to me that, you know, that there that there's a crowd and I get that they were trying to make like a joke out of it or whatever, but it just fell super flat for me and hurt my soul. Not here in the World Wrestling Federation and certainly not on Monday Night Raw. Wait a minute now. Oh, Vince is not happy with you, Doug. <laughs> That's okay. I'm not happy with Adam, you. <laughs> uh, let's go to the next one. Uh, Nick in Chicago writes, ESPN showing previous WrestleManias on their network proves that sports entities are starving for content during the coronavirus pandemic. Is this the perfect time for WWE to negotiate outside deals to distribute more of their content? So if you didn't see the news, ESPN is going to be showing, I think, like WrestleMania 31, 32, and 35 on on ESPN because they need content to put out there. And WWE is like, well, hell yeah, ESPN, you know, that's a big get for them. We've heard the rumors the last few months, and I think it was on that conference call, where Vince kind of alluded to the fact that they are looking at making some changes to the network. They're looking at potentially, it kind of insinuated that they were looking to potentially partner with like another streaming avenue or maybe putting the big four pay-per-views on another avenue outside of the WWE network. There was a lot of, a lot that can be uh, read into about his comments on that, that conference call. Do you think, with as starved as these entities are for content, that this could be the perfect time for WWE to say, hey, ESPN, you want WrestleMania every year? Or, you know, hey, Hulu, do you want WrestleMania every year? And then, you know, WWE would still have content on their network, but maybe the big shows would go to another platform where they could generate you know, basically two revenues for, you know, one, uh, for one company. So they could still have, WWE could still have their network revenues that they're getting. And then you would have to go to like an ESPN to watch WrestleMania, or you would have to go to Hulu to watch WrestleMania. And then WWE would, would be getting paid again from that outside source. Or do you think that's just too many moving parts? I personally do think it's too many moving parts, but that doesn't stop the WWE from doing what the WWE wants to do, you know? Uh, WWE, Vince McMahon in particular, has been rumored to be looking to sell the WWE for several years now. And I think that that became more indicative when the XFL came and 
now you know a little bit more talking about those streaming services and now looking at showing wrestlemania and espn so i think that this is just another one of those times where they're saying okay let's see what works and then you know let's continue having those moving parts to see what can happen moving forward so it's going to be very very interesting to see what does happen but i do think that this for one it is the perfect time because wrestlemania is already in trouble as far as a viewership um how many people are going to be interested to see you know what happens with with wrestlemania when it's not in a big stadium like we were talking about before well have all these people that aren't getting any kind of their football baseball whatever content right now watching wrestlemania's and getting pumped up how many wrestlemania 36 commercials do you think are going to happen within all of those oh yeah uh, s- segments there i think so many yeah and That's it's probably part just, of the deal absolutely yeah, yeah they they probably that was probably one of the caveats that they said, yeah, you can have this content, but we want a certain number of commercials. We want a certain number of time to, like, plug our, our network. So, you know, it's probably, a, you know, we'll scratch, you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours kind of thing. But I could totally see WWE, you know, kind of doing like what UFC did, where if you want to watch a UFC pay-per-view, you have to have ESPN+. Plus. You have to, you can't, you know, order it on DirecTV. You can't order it on uh, your cable system. You have to pay the $5 a month for ESPN Plus, and then you have to pay whatever the $55 or $60 is for the pay-per-view. And, and UFC still has their own quote-unquote network. They still have the UFC Fight Pass, which I don't know if a lot of people actually subscribe to, but that's like their their whole fight catalog and then some of their original shows. It's kind of similar to the WWE Network. I think they also do like uh, lower tiered, like regional MMA as well. But then they're still getting this huge revenue stream from ESPN every year. And then they've got the other revenue stream of like the Reebok uh, uh, making their uniforms, the Reebok uh, uniform contract. So they're they're diversifying themselves to try to get money from all these different avenues and i think wwe could totally look at that and say hey we could do that too you know we could i'm if uh you know maybe we can be uh, maybe wrestlemania and survivor series and SummerSlam and the royal rumble maybe the big four can be on espn plus where you have to would have to pay five dollars a month for espn plus but you would get to to watch the royal rumble or you get to watch wrestlemania so we're getting money from ESPN, but we're also going to get everybody that's subscribing to the network because they are going to watch those uh, ancillary pay-per-views in between those as well. And then, you know, the original content that they put on there every month. I could totally see WWE doing that. And maybe this is the perfect time to strike while ESPN doesn't have, you know, NBA and NFL and NHL and MLB on there. It's a little bit scary to think that maybe there's going to be more hands in the soup, so to speak. Um, if if Vince goes out, maybe they sell it, but how many other people are involved in the whole process? Uh, you can't put hands in people's soup, Doug. There's a big virus going around right now. We gotta be <laughs> we gotta be careful. There's like they all have gloves though. Oh, okay. Well, gloves are fine. Uh, <laughs> we've got a few emails left. Next one is from Suck It Trebek. And it says, I moved to Tampa last year and immediately scored WrestleMania tickets. I'm so bummed that this year's show was canceled. 
any chance WWE makes it up to us and comes back in 2022. So 2021 is in L.A., correct? It's going to be at the new yep. football stadium in L.A., which... Go in Hollywood. If, if all indications are that this is going to be like the latest, greatest state-of-the-art football uh, multimedia complex that... Stan Kroenke is built and out, building out in California. Uh, fuck Stan Kroenke, by the way. <laughs> you know, here in St. Louis, we're not a big fan of him. But man, I could, I think they got to go back to Tampa in 2022, don't they? I don't. I, I think 2022 is too soon. For as okay. much as you know, they were supposed to be getting that there. But here's here's the benefit. Suck it, Trebek. You know, I, I understand you. Uh, live in Tampa and, and had those tickets. WWE, like we talked about before, likes those stadium shows. Stadium shows equals warm weather. I don't think it'll be that far off from the time that they'll come back because there's not a lot of warm weather places that they go. They go to Dallas, LA, Arizona, and a lot of places in Florida. So yeah, either Miami I mean, or, or Tampa, yeah. Yeah, and and really, if if they go to Orlando in 2022 or 2023, it's about an hour drive for you. I don't think that that's that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Orlando has, do they have a big state like a college football stadium in Orlando? Is that like where the? I don't have like those the college like they did like the Orange Bowl one year and like the yeah that's about right and and the performance center is there they could always you know have people there or no people yeah they could, they could do that <laughs> and they're selling T-shirts that say that now too did you see those I wasn't there I wasn't there <laughs> kind kind of funny also kind of a little weird like uh, is the money going to like uh, some charity or something like that because that's kind of a weird thing to capitalize on. I, I don't know if they would be doing that. It's probably going to go to the WWE Fund of America. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've, I've heard of that before. It's the chairman, uh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon or something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I liked I liked the, the Chris Jericho shirt. It was like, um, wash your hands. What was the second one? Cover your, cover your cough. Shut your ass. <laughs> <laughs> but but that that money was like going to uh, like uh, the World Health Organization or something like yep, that. Yep, that's exactly so, right. Yep. Very very cool uh, of them to do something like that. I would hope WWE uh, would do something like that as well. But man, I feel bad for the people in Tampa. A lot of people that were you know this was going to be their first WrestleMania. A lot of people that were going to come in from overseas. It just sucks, man. It just and I know there's bigger problems in the world. You know there's just literally and figuratively, there's bigger issues going on right now than our entertainment. But it doesn't doesn't mean we can't feel bad for the people that you know had big plans to to go to WrestleMania, and you know a lot for a lot of people, you know, it's something that they look forward to for you know a year or two. And it's I think it'll I think it'll be more. sooner that they get a SummerSlam. Yeah. And uh, it seems like SummerSlam could be, they could be making a big deal out of it too, with potentially moving the Hall of Fame to that weekend, maybe doing a, they always do a big NXT show that weekend. That could be something to kind of satiate the uh, the Tampa folks. And, you know, summer in Florida, there's, you know, a nice tie-in there. So you could do things at the beach, they could, uh, you know, it could be, 
it could be a cool thing for them, but I hope Tampa gets a, a WrestleMania sooner, sooner rather than later because this is a, you know, an infamous moment in history, and there's a lot of things that we need to take into account with everything that's going on right now. And I would think that all the the revenue that that the city was planning on coming that weekend, that they can kind of hopefully recoup that in the near future by getting another WrestleMania. And I wanted to know what they were going to do with that pirate ship, Doug. Was Kyrie Sane going <laughs> to zip line from the pirate ship to the ring? I don't know. That's what I want to know. Uh, maybe, maybe she might have defended her uh, tag team championship. Was she? Were they going to put Kyrie Sane in the cannon of the pirate ship and shoot her to the ring? And that, and she was going to take out... <laughs> Then the uh, insane elbow from, yeah. from the cannon. Yes, from the cannon. She takes out Alexa <laughs> Bliss. We get a WrestleMania moment out of it. Now we're not getting that. We might still. We just, might get a, a, a smaller cannon at the Performance Center. She might shoot the uh, the virus at Alexa Bliss. You never oh, know. No. <laughs> oh, no. Hold on a second. No. Don't like that. That's not good. <laughs> uh, that's not like something you'd see on an indie show. Like, that, uh, that's the part where you play the worst. <laughs> All right, here, hold on. Here you go. The worst. That sounded oddly like what Dougie Wrestling sounds like. So very good job, <laughs> sir. You're welcome. That sounds like something they would do at like an indie show where like the coronavirus vaccine on a pole match or something like that. They're already uh, doing the social distancing I, matches. I saw that. And sometimes I think that like, Oh man, I see something. And I'm like, wrestling's the best, and then I say, you know, wrestling is the world. And I just don't know how I feel about that. I, <laughs> I, I no words. Uh, Pete in St. Louis writes: When did Braun Strowman turn heel on Twitter? He's lashed out at both Lance Archer and Evil Uno in the last week. Have you been following Braun Strowman getting all pissy on Twitter lately? I think it's a very interesting way to put it that when did he turn heel on twitter you just have to understand he's always been a heel just in real life you know that he's just letting out his real emotions yeah. and just crapping on all of the people that uh, are indie stars and not huge big deals like him that has all this money so he's just kind of a douchebag in in general i mean you have to think so like this is not a wwe based tweet it's not i mean it's his own personal thoughts and feelings so that that's it's not like it's like you know sammy Zayn, you're gonna get these hands or you know <laughs> all of you people that <laughs> <laughs> and the crowd loses their mind doug every time that roar comes on and i'm like guys but, it's braun Strowman. it's not gonna be good the good thing is is that Braun Strowman has been slowly fading from existence for me in the WWE. You know, he had a, what, one-week run as Intercontinental Championship, so maybe this will just, you know, put him into the 24-7 title world. That'd be great. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> I don't want him anywhere near the main event. So he, somebody, and it wasn't even Lance Archer or Evil Uno that, tagged him or anything like that somebody made a comment about lance archer about how he was going to be everything that braun Strowman was supposed to be and i guess braun Strowman saw that and started attacking lance archer now lance archer is not the one that 
wrote that. It was just some random fan that wrote that. And Braun decided to attack Lance Archer, and Lance Archer kind of, you know, didn't didn't really, you know, feed into it too much. Just kind of, uh, I forgot what the exact words for uh, that Braun Strowman said. He he referred to Lance Archer being old. He referred to him uh, being something else. I forget what the. What yeah, he called him an old man for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah. And then and then he just kept screaming his name. How did that go again? It's boss time! Is it that one? <laughs> I don't know if that's the one. <laughs> How about this one? <laughs> it was Randy like... Randy Orton burns down a man's house and gets rewarded for it. It was like a six-tweet thread of just A-U-A-U-A-U-A-U-N... You know, <laughs> and then the other one was Evil Uno talking about how we need to support indie stars and indie promotions in this time that they're not able to work. And Braun fired back at, "Oh, here we go, another you know, you know, uh, poor, you know, poor wrestlers begging for money, begging for you to buy their stuff," and. Dude, that's totally not what the tweet was supposed to be about. And on top of that, Evil Uno has money. He's talking about other people needing money. Braun Strowman went on to talk about how when he signed up for the WWE or whatever, when he went to training, he had $150 to his name. Okay, Braun Strowman, at that time, if at that moment you got to the Performance Center with $150 to your name and this happened, what do you think would have happened? You would have been in the exact same boat just because... You know, you are in a place where you're well off and can say those things and have money. That's where that's the point where you just lost all sign of, you know, of knowing what's going on in the world and and respect from other people that are going through these hardships. A lot of the WWE people have kind of rubbed me the wrong way in the last year or so. We had when Seth Rollins was talking to Will Ospreay on on mm-hmm. Twitter and Basically, the only thing Seth Rollins could come up with is that, oh, but I'm a millionaire. Oh, but I make more money. Yeah. Okay, that's like one of the douchiest things you can say. Uh, Renee Young did the same thing, too, when somebody was talking about her her commentary. And she said, I got that Fox money, baby. Mm -hmm. I wish I had the – I need to get the Kofi Kingston, baby, (laughs) drop on here. But that just – it just seems like when you when you can't when you don't have a point to make or you can't figure out how to make that point, you just say, "Well, well I make more money than you, so that makes me better than you." And that just really, man, that that really rubs me the wrong way, and that really kind of just makes me think that you're like a douchebag. And that's kind of what Braun Strowman's coming off as now. I have a friend that does the exact same thing, where uh, if he loses an argument, he just starts attacking somebody's like personal appearance. <laughs> Is that Fox? It's Fox and Ryan, isn't it? <laughs> it? It was his birthday yesterday, by the way, so everybody that doesn't know, tweet at Fox and Ryan, uh, happy birthday. And by the way, no, that wouldn't. <laughs> he's, not, he's not the douche that does that, so. <laughs> uh, let's see what I got here. I got something for you. Uh, damn it. That's not true. That's a Jason Calcibetta. That's not true. <laughs> it's, it's on my drop list now. What, uh, what's, uh, what's Jason Calcibetta's other little uh, thing that he says all the time? Uh, there's, there's. That's not true. That's not true. And 
Oh no, uh, Will. Will's the one that has the other. Uh, oh, Will has the boo. The boo. That's right. Boo. Yeah, I need to get that one on here. I, I have it downloaded. I just need to put it on the on the board here. Uh, by the way, when Jason says that's not true, it is one hundred percent true. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like a poker tell right there. Uh, unless you guys, you know, bag on Impact Wrestling, they have, they have good wrestling, and uh, you know, if you, if he says that's not true, I believe him in that case. He's a, he's an Impact apologist. If you, uh, I I appreciate him for that. If you've ever wrestled in Impact, you get a free pass to just be to do horseshit in any in Impact or any other promotion. There are times though where I will say he's the only sane person on the Rhino Wrestling Review. Oh wow. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Just your opinion. You know, man. he's he's pretty good while, you know, Will is the worst. The worst. <laughs> wow. A lot of uh, hot takes. A lot of hot takes here from Dougie Wrestling. Just uh, kidding, Will. You're one of the guys on the Rhino Wrestling Review. <laughs> I would say he is one of the wrestling podcasts podcasters that's out there right now <laughs> definitely one of the wrestling podcasts right now and this is our last question uh my favorite name I, that's why i put it last uh the person that sent this in uh goes by the moniker wash your hands you nasties and uh they wrote wwe and aew seem to have found ways to endure the coronavirus outbreak but how worried should we be about the small to mid-level independent promotions surviving? So that kind of ties into uh, what we said in, our, in the last email about Braun Strowman and the independent wrestlers and the independent promotions on uh, Twitter. Uh, but Doug, you are you work very closely with some independent promotions up in the Chicago area, uh, particularly like Warrior Wrestling. Are you getting any kind of you getting any kind of feeling for for how these independent promotions are doing what the outlook is for them are they uh, a lot of shows have had to be canceled and then it's really bad for the shows that had to get canceled wrestlemania weekend because for them for those promotions it probably was a big financial burden for them to uh, secure those venues but it was also going to be a potential windfall for them because every indie show wrestlemania weekend is is a hot ticket and it's a way to not only make some money but also expose your company and your talent to a wider audience what are you getting any kind of feeling for how these independent promotions are going to are doing right now and what their outlook is for them you know, financially or otherwise for the near future. So I had a long conversation with the owner and promoter for AAW as well. And here's essentially the take that I have, right? WWE, if they don't run, they have a lot of expenses. They have contracts. They have things that they have to continue paying for independent promotions. If they're not securing a building, if they're not having a show that month, they're not paying anything. They're not paying wrestlers. They're not paying a building. They're not paying lights. They're not paying any of their crew. They're just not having a show. So it's not like they're losing money, but you're right. The, the, on the other hand, they're not gaining money. A lot of these independent promoters, this is not their only job, you know, running one, two shows a month, whatever it is. So, you know, yeah, it sucks that they're not having the additional income into their uh, promotion, 
but a lot of these, you know, promoters aren't doing this for the money as it is anyway. They do it for the love of the of wrestling. They're, you know, a lot of independent promotions break even to be able to bring in really good stars. I think that the the the, the question again goes to how worried are we about these uh, indie promotions surviving? It, it's not as much about them surviving because you could have an indie promotion. Um, in three months, four months, once this is all over, just, again, go put on another show. It's about the talent that I'm worried about as to how long will some of these people be able to survive for three to four months before they decide, well, pro wrestling is not for me. Let's go and get a real job making real money where, you know, I have to go do this and, and kind of give up my dream. So, and will will they still be around when all of this is over? That's the real question. You know, what I heard... John Moxley on the uh, AEW podcast. I don't know if you've if you've listened to the AEW podcast with Tony Schiavone and uh, is it uh, Aubrey Edwards on there as well? Yep, unrestricted. Uh, yeah, they had uh, Moxley on there, and he was talking about there was one point right before I think uh, CZW called him and was and was going to put a lot of. I think it was CZW was going to put, you know, like a lot of promotion behind him. And that's what kind of led to him getting. The oh, that was the one in Indiana that randomly called him. Right, right. And but he said there was a point, you know, there was like a couple of days there where he said, well, I guess this wrestling thing isn't going to work. I need to go get a job. And he was thinking that that just goes to show you just how fragile that line can be or how thin that line can be between this is going to be my career and then giving up on my dream and pursuing something else. An outbreak like this and not being able to wrestle and not being able to keep your skills sharp and not being able to get your name out and not be able to, you know, sell your t-shirts at ringside, you know, that could, that kind of downtime and losing out on that, depending on where you're at in your career, you know, you may have to make a, a total career move and we might be, you know, potentially missing out on a couple stars of the future because of this pandemic. And it just really sucks, man. It just, you know, like I said, not just for our entertainment value, but when you go down the list of, you know, all the way from the all the way down to the bottom of the list, the people down there at the bottom are the people that a lot of times, you know, are most affected by this because they're either not financially, you know, set up in order to uh, survive during a time like this. They're not able to, you know, that job that they had on the side while they were wrestling, they might not even have that job now. You know, a lot of people are out of work right now. And it, um, you know, I, I just I just can only hope and pray that, you know, this will be over sooner rather than later. We can get back to some sense of normalcy because, you know, we've got a lot of promotions here in, in St. Louis that, you know, like uh, Glory Pro and uh, St. Louis Anarchy and Harley Races Promotion, uh, World League Wrestling and Dynamo Pro. And, you know, that's a lot of options for people to to get their names out there and potentially move on to bigger and better things. But if they're not running, then those opportunities aren't there. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, their careers might might be over because of this. And it's just it sucks. I will say thank God for AEW because a lot of the if this had happened last year before AEW ever became a thing, how many of those people would not be on our TV every single week? Yep. I'm not one to tell people 
how to manage their money or anything like that. But the reality is, is a lot of this country lives paycheck to paycheck. And when that next paycheck isn't coming in, regardless of whatever you're doing, if you're a fast food worker, if you work in an office or if you're a pro wrestler, you know, that that becomes pretty painful uh, to see that. I will say, you know, a guy like Wardlow, about three to four months before he got signed from AEW, I was having a conversation with him and he decided to bet on himself to quit his job to be to do pro wrestling full time. And thankfully, you know, AEW was able to scoop him up because if, you know, if he wasn't one of the ones that was signed by AEW, you know, him betting on himself and then not be able to, you know, have these shows, make that money, travel around. It would be a pretty painful thing for him. But, again, thank God for AEW for helping guys like that out. Yeah, thank God for AEW for, you know, a, a multitude of things. Because, like I said, that the show that they put on this past week, it was two hours of escapism for me, man. I didn't even think about, you know, I, I mean, it, you couldn't help but, but think about what's going on in the world, but there was just a couple hours there where I was just so thoroughly entertained, and hopefully, you know, we'll get more of that in the near future, uh, hopefully as we creep toward a return to, you know, semi-normalcy in this world in the next uh, weeks and months, hopefully sooner rather than later, but, you know, thank God for pro wrestling, man, because, you know, there's just not a lot of, of stuff out there, you know, to keep us... Uh, focused on living rather than focused on for lack of a better term not dying at this point and um, you know pro wrestling is one of those things that a lot of people think is silly but you know it's something that that we love and it's something that has given us a lot of joy over the years and you know hopefully we'll continue to do so for the near future and beyond I'm just hoping that you know this whole thing isn't ominous like Taz's original theme, you know, the beat me if you can survive if I let you. <laughs> like, is that, oh, is that no. poor taste? <laughs> nah, nah, I think no, but I'll, I'll allow it. You're, you're 100% right. You know, um, I have, you know, to get a little personal here, my dad has an autoimmune disease, mm-hmm. and, you know, I worry about him every single day with this whole thing going on that if. The wrong person, you know, seeing, I saw, man, I was outraged when I saw how many people in Chicago were out and about yep. partying for St. Patrick's Day, all yep. the people partying in Florida for spring break. And I'm thinking, this isn't about you guys. This is about people like my dad, who the wrong person stands next to him in line and coughs or touches him or whatever it might be, and he's in bad shape, you know, uh, and or stands next to me and now I can't see him or the people that you know, want to visit their families in the hospital because, you know, that their loved one is in there for whatever reason it might yeah. be, you know, whether it's Corona or they have a terminal illness or whatever it might be. And because of all this stuff that's going on, they're not able to visit their family member for, for the person that isn't in, re- in a retirement home and their families aren't able to see them. Um, people whose weddings were canceled because of all of this. Mm-hmm. It, it's a very weird time and a lot of people are affected. So, everyone just do your part do what you can flatten this curve we'll get over it the more that we all do right now is the sooner that we'll all be back to normalcy yeah there was a a couple things that popped into mind as as you were saying that my uh my wife's grandpa he's uh 90 just like the coolest guy on the face of the earth 
And, uh, you know, anytime I go over there, he's always got the good bourbon. So, and he doesn't put, he only wants one ice cube in it because he doesn't want to water it down too much. Old school. But, you know, I want nothing more right now than to just go over to his house and hang out with him. But I know I shouldn't, you know, because I don't want to risk, you know, because we don't know. There's so many people that, oh, I feel fine, so I'm not, I, I can't get anybody sick. That's just 100% false. You know, there's people that are that are carrying this virus in them that are asymptomatic, and you're unknowingly passing it on to somebody, and you're not having any symptoms from it, but you might give it to somebody, you know, that has a, an autoimmune uh, disorder or somebody who's who's elderly and has a weakened immune system, and that might be something that that really affects them in a negative way. And then there's a, another situation. My uh, wife's friend uh, lives in Washington. Uh, her mom lives in Arizona. Uh, mom is in the hospital, not with coronavirus, but she's in the hospital, you know, not doing very well, potentially, you know, not going to be with us for very much longer. But uh, the daughter is in Washington and uh, the doctor won't let him travel because they feel like she's she may have been exposed. So she's in, she's quarantined right now for two weeks. She wants to get a test to, to see that if she doesn't have it. So if she doesn't have it, she can go be with her mom in her last days. Can't get a test, you know. Uh, it's it's insanity, you know. Every everything that's going on right now. We don't want to get all political about, you know, how everything's handled and, and stuff like that. But I think your message was right on. You know, we just gotta we gotta be responsible. Don't be selfish. You know, don't don't feel like. Uh, you know your your way of life is being personally attacked right now we're just trying to kind of all do our part to kind of keep everybody safe and sometimes the best thing we could do is just stay at home learn a new skill reconnect with people you know facetime people there's so much that you can do um if you want ideas on what you can do tweet me at dougie wrestling yeah on twitter and, and uh throw out all your uh your contact info for the show too i know most of the people that that listen to to this show are very familiar because we we give you shout shout outs about seven or eight times sometimes we're picking on you a little bit but but we always give you a free plug to go along with it so it's kind i of, love women's know, wrestling for the yeah, record so it's kind of like a balancing act like we'll uh we'll pick on doug a little we'll bully doug a little bit but then we'll we'll plug his show so hey man, you know, we're we're like the the brothers on ProWrestling.com. You know, we, we got to give each other crap a little bit. You know, I'll I'll throw out there how much I know you love Shayna Baszler, but then also throw out there about how much you know how much fun we had a Revolution. So mm-hmm. that's that's just how how it goes. And uh, like I said, we're brethren on ProWrestling.com, which is where you can find both of our shows on top of uh, STF Underground. Uh, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all those places. And, of course, uh, Facebook, STF Underground Podcast, uh, Twitter and Instagram, at STF Underground. Um, yeah, every week, Fridays. It's a good time. Yep, awesome. Uh, thanks for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. Um, got to do it again soon just because uh, we got to do, do the things that bring us joy, and this is one of the things. Talking wrestling with you is uh, something I really enjoy doing, and uh, I just want my free coffee. That's why I do it, dude. Two more punches, man. You're almost there. <laughs> You're almost there. So he's Dougie Wrestling, ProWrestling.com, STF Underground on all podcast platforms. 
You can follow him on Twitter at Dougie Wrestling. Follow their show at STF Underground. And um, if you're digging their show, give them a five-star Dave Meltzer-like review. And uh, I'm sure Doug would really appreciate it. Six stars. Six stars. <laughs> uh, are you wearing a luchador mask? If you if you put on a luchador mask, you get that extra star. No, I go. I get my six star from Japan. So. Oh, you got to be eating some like some Japanese food, or maybe have like some kendo sticks in the background. Uh, <laughs> maybe a poster of the Tokyo Dome. You got to have some something Japanese base in order to get that six star. I, oh. I, I, get, I am wearing a um, a Cassius Ono Chris Hero shirt right now, so. Will that give me an extra star? I think I mean, maybe, so. Maybe minus a star for Cassius Ono, oh. plus a star for Chris Hero. <laughs> so it just you're just right back to where you Damn started it. with. <laughs> Although that uh, tag match at Revolution did get six stars, I believe. Yeah, that's true. And that's that did true. not take place in the uh, Tokyo Dome. So maybe uh, Dave Meltzer's uh, softening up a little bit in his old age. He is softening up. He is. <laughs> well, thanks, Doug, for joining me, man. Uh, enjoy... Uh, your uh, seclusion at home say hi to the wife for us and you guys be as safe as possible okay sounds good man so another edition of the rhino wrestling review in the books thanks to dougie wrestling for joining me on this adventure thanks everybody for your emails continue to send those in rhino wrestling review at gmail.com or on twitter at rhino underscore wrestling and we will read them on the show and give you a little shout out Until next time, stay safe out there and don't kick out of each other's finishers. See ya. It's the R to the Y, N to the O, on a block like a tortoise with a slow, on a block like a baker cause I'm picking up my dough, and when I'm in the booth like I'm cooking up a O.